Hi, I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Hello and welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. My name is Daniel and I'm here with Pastor Troy. Dun, 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 dun. In the same way that I'm here with Josh. Yep, that's me. We're Josh Humphreys. So we're going to talk about the Bible some. We are talking about the Bible. questions, poke a little fun, do what we, we do. Show um, what, look and see what God has about. revealed to us through the word. No, no new revelation. Just simply looking at the revelation <laughs> we, we already have. Yeah, revelation. it was just looking at what we already know. But uh, it was a good week for uh, reading. Uh, you know, we're we're in the book of Job, and uh, the whole week of reading. Uh, this this is actually this time of year. If you're reading to the Bible person, uh, you get into Job, and then you also then you have uh, the Song of Songs, which is always awkward, but uh, it doesn't last very long. But, um, and Ecclesiastes is good, but here's the thing, Job, Isaiah, Ezekiel, those are long books. Long, <laughs> and they're not exactly fun all the time. And it's like, wow, this, we've been doing this for almost a month. And, uh, and so that's such it is with Job. But, uh, in fact, Isaiah and Ezekiel are pretty much take the whole month. And then, then you get into the minor prophets who just weren't good enough as prophets to get into the majors. To the major ones. Uh, so the oh my. <laughs> so but with a little batting practice. Um, oh my gosh. The anyway we're but we're in Job and in Job this is that kind of a, it was a week of the discourse of here's what he says and then here's what he says response and so forth so more of that but uh, but still it's it's not one of those things you just gloss over. It's kind of it takes some really focused discipline and reading uh, to kind of see that there are little things that Job says, nuggets of wisdom that are that are worth mining out. So uh, the Psalms and Proverbs are awesome uh, for this week. Yeah. So it was pretty good stuff, and we'll share some from that maybe. Maybe I guess you got something from Psalms. I, I actually don't have anything from Psalms. Today. I I do. So nice. I'll, I'll cover the Psalm thing if unless Josh does. Nothing? Zip? Nada? No, okay, no, nothing no. from Psalms. Well, and that's probably because Romans. Because is, Romans and First Corinthians. And First Corinthians both have some pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. And it's, and probably this is, it's a very satisfying time to be in the New Testament because there's, uh, there's a rich, something rich in the Word of God all through the New, all through the New Testament, really for the rest of the year. Actually, the New Testament is pretty much solid. All the time. Any skippable parts. Oh come on. You know the Old Testament isn't always fun to read. Yes, it you, is. You cannot my say that. The Bible, my favorite Bible my, my favorite book of the Bible is the first thirteen chapters of the Chronicles. So Right. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, so. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. So okay. Was, <laughs> yeah. I I believe I would believe that if that was what you pulled from every time we did a podcast. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so we're looking forward to hearing what Josh found in the Old Testament in Job for this for this week. I'm sure he has some solid stuff when we come back. Hello, here we go. We're going to talk about 
Um, God's word. What we what we learned Ooh, from it. Uh, yes. Sir, where are you at today? I, I since I am seem to be the only person to get anything out of the Psalms this week, because <laughs> I thought they were good. But um, the I had something from Psalm 96, uh, 11 through 13. It says, "Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and all its fullness. Let the field be joyful and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the of the woods will rejoice before the Lord, for He is coming to judge the earth." He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Uh, and, and I just, I just was noticing how, how we have this incredible uh, moment of praise and rejoicing and celebrating the judgment of God. I think so often we, we think of God's judgment, we think of it as being a horrific thing. But uh, in the parousia in the New Testament, a parousia is this term that's used to describe a king when he would return to a city. And so if you kind of get this idea, as Paul is talking about in First Thessalonians, about the return of Christ, the, the, the visual picture is this. The picture is that you have a city, think of a city within the walls, and the king is out at war or visiting other countries or whatever kings do. And so while he's gone, you have a city manager, kind of like in Lord of the Rings. Uh, you have a city, uh, somebody who's watching over the the white city. As Josh is lost, I'm sorry. We just yep. Josh knows we we're just gonna leave Josh, Josh out. Josh doesn't watch movies. Uh, so or read books apparently. <laughs> uh, but so you have anyway. You have uh, so you know you have somebody watching over the city and so forth. So uh, sometimes they were not so just, and so you had people wrongly imprisoned, um, maybe people rightly imprisoned. But whatever the case, and, and sometimes people were getting away with things that they shouldn't get away with. So when you could see the king from far out, a trumpet would be blown, and everybody would rush out of the city to meet with the king, and then this entourage would come with the king into the city, and then the king would sit on his throne, and he would judge rightly if he was a good king. And so when you're talking about Jesus coming... Jesus being a righteous king, this is a great moment. This is a great moment because he is going to set an order. He's going to be just in his decision-making. Now, uh, that that so that puts fear in the hearts of people. If you think about that as you're growing up in a Jewish lifestyle and, and, and uh, before Christ and so forth, and you have this idea of the Messiah coming and reigning and ju- judging correctly and so forth, well, if you've done everything, if you think you've been pretty good, you're excited about that, but if you've done something wrong, it's kind of like knowing your old bigger sister. Not that I'm speaking from experience, but yeah. your older sister's going to tell on you when your parents get home, and you're and you're uh, afraid of that moment of judgment. So you're kind of dreading it, and that's where a lot of us are. We dread the judgment, but that's why we call the gospel good news. That's why the gospel literally means good news. And so, uh, because the good news is, is that Jesus says, if you are dreading the judgment of God, the good news is. I've already paid the price for you. I I know you're guilty. <laughs> you know we get it. So if you if you are guilty and you recognize your guilt, then if you will put your trust in me and your faith in me and trust in me as your savior, as your advocate before God, then I will stand in your place and I and I will take your judgment for you. Or there he has. Uh, and so that that's. That is good news. So you know when Jesus comes and sits on his throne and sits and is ready to judge, that he's going to judge righteously uh, and the peoples with his truth, that he's going to be very fair and he's going to judge people appropriately. And so, yes, I will be judged. I will be guilty. But my debt has been paid. 
the wrath that was stored up for me has already been uh, given out. And so that's, again, it's, it, he his righteous judgment as all of creation depends on the mercies of God and his righteous judgment. We are, we are trusting he's going to extend grace to those who want to dwell in his kingdom and abide in his will and that he will cast out all who do not want to worship him as Lord. So he is going to set up, we are, we are believing that he is the righteous king and that we do want to serve him. And anyone who doesn't want to serve him or doesn't want to fall in line with his word is going to be cast out. And, uh, and, that's, uh, and that's why the creation itself rejoices. Because outside of his righteousness, outside of, uh, of the, basically Jesus is restoring the Garden of Eden. And in his restoration of the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden will just be plundered over and over and over again if he does not expel that which uh, destroyed all of the created order in the first place. So he's going to restore order, cast out sin, and anyone who doesn't want to abide in his order will not be allowed in. So yeah, and I think it's this like this continued focus on um, how even how you're living as a Christian, as you know you claim Christ, but but you're like you're still like living like you're not claiming Christ, kind of like the demons, you know, right. they do mm-hmm. the same thing, they have faith in Christ, but they like, or they don't, they don't have faith in Christ, they have faith right. of Christ, and uh, yet their their lives don't rea- don't respond in a way, and in the day of the Lord will be bummer for them. Right? Yes, yeah. In, in, uh, in Amos 5, you know, you have Amos talking about these, uh, these towards Israel, and he said, like, woe to you who long for the day of the Lord, because they're expecting... This great thing when they're they they had not been living the way Christ yeah wanted or not Christ at the time but you know how God right. wanted them at the time and then Jesus comes on the scene and he's like hey the day of the Lord can be wonderful hmm. like just co- come with me and stop doing what you're doing right and I think that's yeah you get this dichotomy it's like it's gonna be great for those of us who put our faith in Him right it's gonna be a bummer for everybody else yeah and I think there's gonna be a lot of surprised people on how they they, uh... Yeah, and I think we, I think we look, uh, you know, I think the the challenge is is that we uh, we know we all sin, and so we think, well, we all sin, and so God's just going to overlook sin. But there's a difference between um, weakness, human weakness, and needing someone to help us in our weakness, mm-hmm. and desiring not to do what God wants to do. Yeah, I mean, and and I love children because they're a perfect illustration of that there are children who are have difficulty doing what you're asking them to do because of their own weakness and every parent can should be a good parent recognizes that that they just need help and patience and so forth and and god is like that toward us but you can also tell when they have absolutely no desire to do what you're telling Mm -hmm. them to do Mm -hmm. and so they're trying to find a way out of it or find a way to find a way and giving you lip service but they really have their heart does not align with your heart you also can recognize that and God can recognize that. And the Bible is very clear. You're not going to be super happy when I come because I know yes. I know what you really want. And yeah. that, that leads right into what I was reading in Romans 15. Uh, just I'll read it. It's just one verse. Romans 15.1 says, Now we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. And I think that's – there's so much – man, Romans and where we're getting into 1 Corinthians, it's like every mm. sentence is you could – you preach a sermon on just the yeah. one sentence, and this is so much packed in it, um, and I love that. But um, just a just a at a at a snapshot. First, you know, you have an you have to analyze your own strength level, and I think 
I think in 2021, church culture, we are so immersed in hyperbole mm-hmm. for um, handling things like this. Like, mm. you know, you say, now we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. So we look at that and we're like, oh, well, I'm weak. I have so many weaknesses. Jesus has to save me. And yeah, that's so true. But Paul is writing with the assumption that some are strong in the faith. Like there can mm-hmm. be strong in the faith people who still sin, still have weaknesses. But I think first you have to analyze where are you at in that? Do you acknowledge the existence of strong people in the faith? And can you admit that maybe, like, are you one of those people? Because if you stay in the weak zone forever and just put yourself in the weak place, then you're not fulfilling your obligation to the rest of the body. And mm. and I, you know, like, you want to acknowledge your weaknesses, of course, and, right. and rely on God's grace to help you in those things. But if you're one of the strong in faith people, then it says we who are strong have an obligation mm. to bear the weaknesses of those without strength. Okay, so it's like there are strong people, and we can't just view every verse with hyperbole and say, "Oh yeah, I'm weak." You know, like you can't do that. Um, and then next, like, what does it look like to bear with someone's weaknesses at the expense of our pleasure in the church? It says mm. uh, we bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. So like it's like walking this tightrope of okay I am if if you are one of the strong strong in faith people who can trust the Lord and can bear with a lot of stuff of oh. other people and then can you do that and like take on the weaknesses of other people or like can you deal with people's weaknesses in a way that is filled with grace and not just like avoid the weak people so that your life is easy right, right. because there's a temptation if you have if you have your spiritual life kind of as together as can be expected, if you're relying on the Lord and you have a good relationship with Him, then He's giving you a lot of grace and strength to, you know, come along someone who's not and help them through their weaknesses and maybe build them up and make them stronger. And I think the temptation is, okay, yeah, I've, I've, you know, my my spiritual life's good, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna ride this because God's mm. given me grace and it's for me and it's not for you, it's for the people next to you. And I, that, that hit me really hard, um, because, you know, and we go through seasons. Sometimes I'm a weak person and I need strong people in my life. And sometimes I'm the stronger person and I need to get out of my comfort zone and bring along other people that, that need building up. So, um, but mostly I think we just need to have an accurate view of where we're at, where God's given, what God's given us and, uh, and use what he's given us because hmm. if we just assume that we're bad all the and that we're like the worst we've ever been all the time we're, we're going nowhere fast at that point you know it's it's interesting that this passage comes at the same time we're reading through job because it it has a lot of parallels in that uh, what jesus has really done is he's given us a cross to bear hmm. when when you know and you know i make a decision and say i'm gonna be i'm gonna be zealous for the lord i'm gonna serve him and I'm gonna and I and I'm gonna make this effort to be strong in the Lord. We try to be disciplined in our Bible reading, be disciplined in our prayer life, and and all these things. Well, then the enemy zealously seeks to uh, tear us down. He's trying to uh, cause. He's trying to do. He pulls out all the stops. In fact, he tries to find a way to make us fall, make us crumble, just like in the story of Job. And and so he's trying to do this. And if you push through that, all you're gonna find is a cross. That, that God has waiting for you uh, because uh, there's a uh, – and that's what Jesus said. Everybody who's going to follow me, you, you take up your own cross and, and follow me because I'm going to use your cross that's borne by you to bring glory to myself. So I need you 
to so you're pressing through and you're thinking that this is going to make it easier sometimes but it's like no god's like if i want you to do this you are you are on the right path i want you to be strong for me but understand in that strength is your own death Hmm. and and so which could be literally die um or as paul says in earlier in chapter 12 you're a living sacrifice and so you're you're or you're poured out as a drink offering it and it's and it's a tough tough thing it's not for weak it's not for people who are weak in heart you know it's it's for people who who have this uh desire to be faithful to their lord and uh but when we consciously desire to be uh decide to be poured out for others um it is, uh, you better be prepared for an onslaught of attack because the enemy is going to do everything he can um, to frustrate you in that process. And you that's when you watch people falling around you, it's just because the enemy is ravaging them and, and is looking for a weak spot to exploit that weak spot. It's like being in battle. And you're uh, there's a scene in Saving Private Ryan. I, I always, <laughs> always hesitate because I know that Josh is not going to get any movie analogies. But, uh, nope. In Saving Private Ryan, where they're coming off those U-boats, you know, and and you, uh, and not U-boats, those are Germans. The those uh, the boats, the, the the landing boats, whatever they're called, uh, where they roll down the thing. You've seen it, right? They roll down the, the door where the doors get rolled down, mm-hmm. and they come out, and instantly, guys are falling all around you, and people are jumping over the sides, trying to save yourself. It's just chaos, and I see, and and I I look at that scene, and think, how can you imagine pushing forward? And, and having the courage, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kids pushing forward on that beach to take that beach while they're watching every, bullets everywhere and everything and people dying all around you and yet still having the resolve. My grandfather was there. And and My I and, and so you think of that resolve to, to keep going. I think, where does that come from? But that's that's the Christian faith because you, you're watching people all around you and their families get assaulted, and their children get assaulted, and they get assaulted, and so forth. And you're thinking, why are we doing this? You know, why would I put myself in this place? Well, it's because you have an objective. And that's why, you know, Paul says in Philippians that we're pressing toward a mark, toward the prize of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. We have to have that fixed focus on that. There's my Lord in front of me, and he has something for me to reach for. And you reach for that. Um, and that's uh, and And you bear with the weakness of those around you. Um, because there's something much greater at stake. So yeah, it's a, it's a Romans is yeah, it's this so pregnant with meaning in every every passage. So yeah, mm. it's awesome. Thanks, Dan. Well, in Job um, this week, and let me just say, every time that I've read through Job, I look forward to this part that we've read with the young man. How do you say his name? Elihu. That's how I've always said it. But That's fine. okay, El- Elihu. 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 Whatever. Yeah. But I'm gonna say Elihu. But anyway, every time that I've read this, I remember. Every chapter up to this point, I've been like, these guys, Job and his three friends, sometimes you think, oh, wow, they're really wise in this part. But then sometimes you're just waiting through them just complaining and being angry and rebuking each other and then saying, I'm the one who knows the most of this and blah, 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 and over and over again. And it just seems like it's never ending and they're just lulling inside of their own sadness, like just over and over again. And it's so hard to get through those first 31 chapters of Job and just hearing them be miserable. And they're just all going in a circle talking about it. And so finally in Job 31, 
Job has his final appeal is what my header says. And it, and it's him saying all these things to God, God, I've done this and I've done this. And, and this is what you rewarded me with and blah, blah. And he's going on about it. And so we get to Job 32, which is where my um, devotion was for this week. But um, there's this enter this character named Elihu. Um, and in verse two, it says he burned with anger at Job because he justified himself rather than God. And it goes on further. And um, he then he speaks and he says, I'm young in years and you are aged. Therefore, I was timid and afraid to declare my opinion to you. And then it goes on a little bit, a little bit further. And he talks about how um, it says, you know, it's wise um, as you age, you get more wise and so your opinion is you know more valid but he gets here in verse 9 it says it is not the old who are wise nor the aged who understand what is right and so he's here here he goes he's about to go into this rebuking session with um job and the and his three friends and he basically says listen you guys are the one who are making your name for yourself you are um justifying yourself rather than god and i just I really relate to Elihu in that. I am a younger man, <laughs> and there are a lot of people older than me, um, and sometimes I find myself just being quiet because I'm thinking, well, they've been a Christian for much longer, and so I have no I have no way to say anything or no reason to say anything, um, but it's important to see, hey, yeah, the Job and these three men were in sin. They were mm-hmm. truly making a case for themselves and saying, God, I am this way, and so you need to respond to me in this way. And um, I, I just think that's that's very, very bold and scary, but at the same time, um, very courageous of him to even call these men out and say, listen, um, this is who God is, and this is who you're claiming him to be, and he is nothing but goodness. Uh, mm. And I don't know, I love I love this character because he shows, finally in Job, um, we, we see some, some sort of something that's not someone sulking in themselves, but him saying, no, this is who God is, and this is who you're claiming him to be, and that's not true, and I love it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you chose an Old Testament passage there, so back <laughs> up your argument. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm back in 1 Corinthians, or in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, For since and the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. And I, I'm just always struck by how what is foolish to the world is salvation for me and how it is and how God uses the very thing that they would think would be an act of weakness to be the greatest act of strength. Uh, and, and so we are, we are, you know, sometimes when I'm, I remember having a debate, gosh, it's been, uh, years and years ago, back in 1990. So I'm thinking I'm predating everybody here at the table. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, we were talking, it was actually 1988, so that goes way back. Uh, but it was a pro-life debate. And, uh, you know, it's been around for a while. Uh, and uh, and I remember talking to somebody, and this is back in 1988, and, and I think still there's some confusion about it today, uh, because I said uh, I was making an argument for pro-life because trying to demonstrate the evidence that the unborn child was a child, that it was a baby. And all the evidence, you know, this is this is how when life begins and, and the evidence of the DNA and and, uh, and how it is an actual human baby and it is a baby baby and, and so forth. And the girl just stopped me. She said, wait, 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 wait. She goes, she goes look, we concede that. We concede all that. We know it's a baby. So you can call it whatever. You know, we don't, we're not that zygote, fetus, whatever language you all think that we use over time. So absolutely, we agree it's a baby. has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that it's a baby. has everything to do with a woman's right to choose. 
And I remember being, I just stopped and thought, I, I thought my whole thing here was to convince you that it was an actual baby and not a clump of tissue or something, because that was where we were basing our argument on. I was just stunned that I was like, no, that's not the argument at all. The argument was we were not even in the same arena or same realm. And all of a sudden, that was one of the first times I realized, oh, we're never going to come together. This is it is not possible for us to agree. And and I, I think we grow up sometimes thinking, oh, if I just phrase this right or change this correctly, if I can just come up with a good enough argument, I'll, I'll persuade you and so forth. And then you and then there's a this realization swept over me when you read the New Testament and you read about Paul. Paul is much better advocate and apologist than I'll ever be. And yet he could not persuade people around him to believe what he was teaching. Uh, and then you can take it one step further. Jesus Christ, uh, the person who is talking about himself, that God is literally here with people in the flesh talking about what he thinks. And he can't get people to agree with what he's saying. So it's like a very it's a very humbling thing to step back and realize, oh, wait a second. I'm I'm just I have to just be thankful that I have eyes to see that I that I actually do see this as being salvation, even though it is foolishness to the world and we're we're tempted to to have what the world has and and so we we begin to do what the world does to get what the world has and god's like and and jesus was very clear you can't have both it's like i i'm saying you can't have this you can have what i have i'll give you that freely but you have to leave behind what the world has and so if you want what the world has you got to live like the world lives if you want what I have, you got to live like I live, and you really are. It is really just a choice of those two worlds, and uh, and if you see it as sal- and and the world doesn't see it as salvation. That's so the real craziness is when you have believers who say they believe that Jesus is salvation, yet are choosing to follow the world to receive the destruction. It, when we read about in the Old Testament when you see the the kings of Israel who defeat a nation. Or even when the judges are when the when Israel would defeat a nation and then start worshiping the gods of the nation they just defeated. <laughs> so it's like our God was victorious over their gods, but now we're going to worship their gods. And you're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And yet we see it all and around God us. Calls him <laughs> on point. He's like, yeah. they, did they save them? I don't think so. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? I, I, but we do the same thing. Yeah. We do the exact same thing. We were like, this is not. It's like uh, you look at somebody and say, oh, their wealth and fame makes their lives even more miserable. So I want wealth and fame. <laughs> That's right. The lottery ruins people's lives. So I want to win the lottery. Yeah. Right. So, but anyway. I was I wrote down the exact same thing, but it's just the next chapter. 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 15. You just said all this, so I won't spend much time on it. But the, the script, the passage I looked at was said, but the unbeliever does not welcome what comes from God's spirit because it's foolishness to him. He's not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. Um, never said evaluated in in that short amount of time, that many times. <laughs> but I just wrote down the Holy Spirit gives you a perspective on things that is totally foreign to anyone who doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And if the world doesn't understand your actions, then that's an indicator that you might be onto something. Mm. Now, I, I want to I want to post that with um, if the body of believers who who you affirm are following the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. don't understand you, then you just might be crazy. You mm. might be doing something really just out of off the wall because 
we all have to find people that we will submit to spiritually, every one of us. And and if you, you you need to be somewhere, you need to be in a body of believers where you affirm the people around you, or at least the leadership, but preferably everyone around you, that you mm. say, these people with me, with maybe one or two exceptions, are are going hard after what after the things of God. And I trust that they are in with the Holy Spirit and are being led by the Holy Spirit. And if, if that's not the case for you, then you need to find people in your community that you will that that they can speak into your life where they say look you are off the rails spiritually and you will say <laughs> i disagree but i will submit to your understanding of that and um but otherwise if we're in agreement with the people with the holy spirit and in disagreement with the world that is a great place to be on any topic whatever it may be you may not have all the answers you don't have to win every argument you don't have to win every any argument because mm. the world doesn't have the holy spirit you uh, you you by definition, look at the world completely different ways, and um, I just put our worldview and methods should rarely line up with those of the world, but too often mm. it does line up with the world. I agree with the world on so many things, mm. and and that scares the living daylights out of me mm. sometimes, you know. Yeah. And and sometimes I would describe the way things should be done the same way that the world would describe the way things should be done. And and man, there's just I was having this conversation this weekend with somebody that um, the world wants all the benefits of Christ just without the Christ part. Mm. They don't want the, to submit to Jesus and his leadership, but they want all the things that he offers. They that's want, what Satan offers. That's, that's what he said. That's what he said. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And he, they want peace. They want love. They want joy. They want all the fruit of the Spirit, but they're going to do it their way, and they won't submit to Christ. And then they're going to get what they get. And so if you know, it wouldn't be a bad idea to distance yourself a little bit from the way of the yeah. world um it's food for thought but i yeah it's it's exactly what you were saying i yeah. just just jumping off of it <laughs> i have something funny with that i remember um a few years ago when i felt like the lord was calling me to not go back to school i <laughs> told a few of some people who are not believers and um they said that's the stupidest thing we've ever heard. Like you're going to ruin your life. Like your future is over. You're not gonna have any money. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. La, 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 la. And then I said something I really shouldn't have. Now looking back, um, I said something really prideful. I said, "Well, I don't expect you to understand because you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you." And I was like, "Ooh, but." <laughs> but that was. No, it didn't. But it was a moment for me to realize. Yeah, they're never gonna understand any of this because to them it doesn't make sense to them yeah. the american dream is well the dream it's to live. pearls before swine yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah well yeah, I, I just called your friend swine yeah, yeah. you heard it here that's right because i know they're listening to the podcast oh yeah, yeah. that's right um, know, just when josh is a famous you know superstar <laughs> that's right then they'll go back they'll, they'll go yeah. back and look and then they'll say oh my gosh anyway um so i'm still in job um again i just love this this part of it and um, Job 34:10 um, says this. Therefore, hear me, you men of understanding. Far be it from God that He should do wickedness, and from the Almighty that He should do wrong. Mm. And this scripture, I just I find myself um, a lot of the times when I read the Bible, or even just sometimes in my life, like in the Book of Joshua, when God says, "Hey, go kill literally everything, and then take all of their money." Yeah. <laughs> it's like. That's my from, life verse. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think sometimes from a human perspective, that can look wicked and evil. Um, and I can think in my life when the Lord has punished me in slight ways, not like, you know, him telling someone to come kill me, but in ways to be like, 
Lord, that was like evil of you. Like, and um, we just realized, hey, wait a minute. It's evil in ours because humans, we're, we're evil. We're messed up. And so we assert our own view of good and evil, which is why we, I mean, when we ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, then we can decide what's good and evil on our own. Mm-hmm. And so we decide these things. And Elihu comes in and he says to Job and these his three friends, listen, far be it from God that he do anything wicked. Like God is good. God is who he is. He's just, he's right. And we aren't. And so you're blaming God, mm. the one who's perfect on something that, that, that you are doing, like that you've caused um, your your pride and your sin, and you've been wallowing in it for days. It seems like in the book of Job, and um, and Elihu comes in and says, "This is not who God is. This is not God's character." So first he he calls out Job's character before, and then he defends God's character now after he has rebuked hmm. Job, and he says, "Hey, listen, this is who you are, and I'm reminding you of that, so that now when I tell you the character of God, you remember, hey." This is the God that I serve. And I just, I find that super powerful. Good stuff. So, well, we got some questions, maybe. So, we'll see when we come back. Here we are with the question and answer segment. Uh, Josh has a really good question that you're going to share with us. Uh, yes, Josh. Yeah. Ask. Um, so it's at the end of Romans 16, and let me read verse 25 and 26, because it's within these verses. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God. And he goes on a little bit more. My question is, what prophetic writings is he talking about? Is he talking about the ones that we know today to be the prophets? And then also it says it has been made known to all nations. And my question is there, why don't all nations now okay. know it all? Good so, questions. Um, it, uh, and I don't, I'm not looking at a Greek Bible. I'm just looking at my own translation. Mm-hmm. And uh, first of all, the first question uh, the prophets he's talking about, yes, are the prophets of the Old Testament that we would read and consider part of the Bible uh, and uh, and made known through uh, the scriptures. Uh, so literally it's talking about the prophetic scriptures, meaning the things that were written down by Daniel and Hosea and Amos and all those things that we're talking about, that the, the mystery has been kept silent for a long time, for, for long ages. Uh, the... We call it the 400 years of silence after Malachi, and you do have a lot of Jewish writings. We call it the Apocrypha. A lot of it that was written during that that time frame, like for instance, First and Second Maccabees, but uh, which are historical, just not authoritative. Um, the uh, but so so it's considered a silence, meaning God was talking about a Messiah coming, talking about a Messiah coming, talking about a Messiah coming, then nothing. And then all of a sudden, John the Baptist comes on the scene, and is like, the Messiah is almost here. And then Jesus comes, and he's like, there is the Messiah. And so now you have, and so that's what Paul's saying. So you had uh, this revelation of this mystery that was silent for all this period of time. Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Who's going to be? And now here it is. It's Jesus Christ. Uh, and that God has, uh, has, according to God's command, to advance the obedience of faith. And my my translation would say, among all the Gentiles. Mm. Um 
and mm -hmm. uh, to the only wise God through Jesus Christ. And, and he's just making the point, as he's been making throughout the letter of Romans, uh, that, that the word is now to all the nations. Mm -hmm. It's not that all the nations have gotten the word. It's now the word has been made available to all the nations. Gotcha. Before it was just the Jewish oh. people. Now it's, now it's to all the nations okay. of the world. So That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Cool, cool. Thank you all for joining us. It's and, been fun. Uh, yeah, we will catch you next time here on Understanding Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast. If you would like more information on Understanding Jesus or First Baptist Church of Jackson or would just like to submit a question or comment, then you can call the church office at 573-243-8415 or you can email us at office at fbcj.us. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon.